All right. Welcome to another episode of the Streaking the Line podcast. Once again, my name is Pearson. Once again, Zach is with me. Hello, Zach. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm I'm doing all right. You know, we got Notre Dame coming up. We sure do. We got Notre Dame this weekend and we have a very special guest joining us on the podcast. We chatted at great length with Mike Golick Jr. of ESPN. Uh, You probably know him because he's been on the podcast before, but if not, uh, he is a Notre Dame former player alum and and gives a lot of good stuff in, in this uh, interview about the Irish. So if you're a little unfamiliar with how their season's gone or what to expect, um, this is a really good one for, for some insight from Mike. And we talk of course about uh, Brennan and, and how uh, the Irish will match up with UVA uh, with or without Brennan playing. And uh, you know, I think you'll get a good idea for the weekend of, of what to expect with uh, the return trip to Charlottesville for the Fighting Irish. Uh, six years it's been. So I uh, don't want to babble on any more about that. Let's just jump right into that interview. All right. Welcome to our, our special interview uh, with a repeat guest to the podcast. We're so happy to have you back, Mike Golick. Thank you for uh, rejoining us, coming back to talk to Wahoo Nation about your beloved Fighting Irish. Uh, and welcome back to the pod. Appreciate you guys having me again. I, I, I like flash the hang loose sign, despite the fact that this is a completely audio medium. So we're off to a great start. You know, uh, for the sake of our audience, Zach and I just try and keep our voices for radio and and uh, don't put in any of the, the video footage. Oh, listen, man, you're, you're preaching to the choir right here. I, I, I only get that joke every day of my life. Well, we are so appreciative of you stopping by again because because it's a huge game for the Hoos. Uh, obviously, having Notre Dame coming back to town. And, uh, I mean, you know, anytime it's Notre Dame, it's a big deal. I know the Irish have been dealing with this a little bit more the, these past few years of, you know, having one foot in the ACC door and having all, you know, four games every every year. So my first question is, when are y'all going to just cut the crap and actually join the real conference and, you know, make the world a better place for everybody? I mean, listen, it would have been a much easier path to the college football playoff this year, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'd, have, we'd have get to go to we get to go to Charlotte and not have to worry about meeting real Clemson this year. So <laughs> I, I, I wish they'd have stuck around for another year. But uh, yeah, no, it'll it, it will be interesting. I, I, I will say, like as we go along here, and obviously the conversation around college football playoff expansion probably going to govern the most of that, right? Depending yeah. on what happens here like when we were talking about that 12 team expansion with the six at large or the six highest ranked conference champions going and then the six at large Notre Dame wouldn't have had to do anything as long as that was set up there because you know you would have an even easier time making the college football playoff than they displayed already but we know with the complications around the SEC that all of a sudden this 18 thing's got some backing Mm -hmm. now and so Mm -hmm. that's going to go a long way in all this because you know talking to Jack Swarbrick on air a couple of times Notre Dame's AD when we've had him on it's always about as long as Notre Dame has a viable realistic path to the championship that ain't going to change so you guys are just going to have to deal with us for four or five (laughs) games a year until then and you know we'll continue to try and do our thing. And, you know, I think it's been a big addition for all the other sports that we love. And so obviously so it'd be yeah. a massive coup for the ACC as far as football goes. But 
it doesn't make me any more money. I don't care. I, I, I want the entertainment. Right. It's so huge for basketball, for lacrosse, of course, uh, soccer, um, you know, men's and women's across all of those. It's been massive. So, uh, yeah, that's fun. been a lot of fun, man. I mean, and getting getting some of that. I mean, hell, I grew up, you know, in Connecticut most of my life. And so the current ACC, especially for basketball in the last few years, is like the closest thing I can get to what the old Big East was when I was growing up out <laughs> yeah. here. And so seeing a lot of those rivalries and all those sports, a big college lacrosse fan, I've gotten to cover some around here at ESPN. You know, my roommate at Notre Dame was a guy named Sean Rogers, who was on the lacrosse team. So spent a lot of time with Corrigan and those guys, which means right. I also now spent a lot of time rooting against the ACC team that uh, <laughs> don't wear gold helmets. Fair enough. Well, let's, let's dive into the football. Uh, you know, there's a lot we could talk about the ups and downs of, of the UVA season, but I'd rather start with um, the mainly ups of the Notre Dame season. If anybody listening who, you know, probably sees the ranking, but maybe not, a, maybe hasn't caught many of the, the, the games for the Irish. Could you give us just a little synopsis of, of where they're sitting in the, the national landscape and obviously how they feel like they've got a, a shot towards the playoff if they keep winning? Yeah, I mean, I guess they technically have a shot. Like, it's so weird. I'm still overcoming the image of who this team was early in the season because this has been a team that since week one, I mean, the churn on this roster from last year was insane, especially in the Mm -hmm. key areas for Notre Dame. So offensive line sent four guys to the NFL from this last year. Three of them were draft picks, and I think those three were all in the top three rounds. So Quality guys, quality guys there in the fourth was an undrafted guy that's now on the active roster for the Lions. So Mm. you lost key guys at that spot here. You lost more in the wide receiver room and we're replacing a ton of production there. And obviously you were replacing Ian Book, the all-time leader in everything Notre Dame passing now. And so (laughs) couple that with Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator taking over for Clark Lee who left to take the Vanderbilt job and Mm. even for Brian Kelly who has weathered a lot of turnover from coaches and others in his time at Notre Dame this was still a pretty impressive task that they were going to have to come up with here and so you start off the season with that game against Florida State where I felt so gross being the only person in America or at least in the American sports media, rooting <laughs> against the Mackenzie Milton comeback story. I know, right? And to yeah. be clear, I was rooting for Mackenzie Milton, but I wanted the <laughs> team he played for to lose in that game. And so, again, really tough spot for me to be in there, man. Like, what a bad way to start the season. <laughs> it was freaking brutal. But in that game, like, Notre Dame – so uh, – Notre Dame starting offensive tackle in that game, that game, uh, this kid named Blake Fisher played left tackle for them as a true freshman mm-hmm. ends up getting injured in that game. And that kind of starts the marquee headline for Notre Dame season this year. Blake Fisher is going to be like a top 10 draft pick. If he stays healthy and does this, he's like the most talented offensive lineman purely right. on the physical standpoint, Notre Dame's had in quite some time, but he goes down your backup to the left tackle goes down. So Notre Dame was playing their third string left tackle for a lot of the beginning of the season here. Like I said, there were only a couple of guys back that had even been in the room the year before. And so that was really the story of the early part of Notre Dame season is you bring back Kyron Williams, who's mm-hmm. this back that burst onto the scene last year with such a huge story in college football. And now he's running behind an offensive line that was in like the one twenties and yards before contact, which is like the only viable O-line stat. And from there, it's just been a steady build of Tommy Reese, their offensive coordinator, trying to figure out how do I run this offense 
without being able to use the O-line early in those games as that group finds a lineup they're comfortable with, starts to get their footing. The way I believe they have now, they've settled on a unit Mm -hmm. that's been consistent for them, that's run the ball a lot better, albeit not against as tough a competition as they saw in the beginning of the year, including in that loss to Cincinnati. That's Mm -hmm. the center of a lot of the CFP conversation for them. So it's been a trial and error process of at quarterback you had Jack Cohn the Wisconsin transfer that came over that started the season as the starter there had beat out Tyler Buckner who was the freshman from California more of a dual threat player than Jack Cohn and then you had Drew Pine who's also seed time the third stringer and so you were mixing and matching with the abilities trying to get a quarterback with a rushing threat on to help the offensive line relying on that veteran presence of Jack Cohn down the stretch of games like against uh, Virginia Tech on the road coming in in relief. You had the win against Wisconsin where all three quarterbacks played at Soldier Field in Chicago. And so Mm. what happened in all of that was they somehow managed to keep figuring out those ways outside of Cincinnati to tinker with and improve that lineup while winning. And so now we're in this weird spot where I look up at this Notre Dame team and all of a sudden they're playing much better ball. Like I get that they're facing – lesser defenses down this back half of the season in North Carolina and USC and some of the other ones, but just putting on the tape, they played much more consistent football. Tommy Reese, their O coordinator has called a hell of a season and the Mm -hmm. defense for Marcus Freeman after an early couple of games getting gouged in the run game has Mm -hmm. really come into their own and started playing like what you expected when you got him away from the likes of LSU and others for that coordinator job leaving Cincy. So Notre Dame's developed into a, I'd say a very good football team. They're not a great football team by any stretch right now, I don't think, but they're a very good football team that's gotten production out of Kyron Williams. Michael Mayer is one of the best tight ends in the country. Kevin Austin has finally stayed healthy long enough to look somewhat like the receiver Notre Dame expected with all that talent there. And, Mm. and and yeah, so now we, we get to this situation now where fresh off a, you know, Fresh off a shootout not a couple of weeks ago with North Carolina, they're getting ready for more of the same game script against Virginia, yeah. provided Brennan Armstrong's in the lineup. Sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, the, the look at, at Brennan in this game is, you know, moving into in that matchup, I, I think at this point in time we have to be pretty um, pretty certain he's probably not going to play, at least that's Wait, what? Okay, not certain. You breaking I news? Think, no, 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 no. I'm not breaking <laughs> You know something? Do you, breaking, do you I'm see him at the dining news. hall? He told, oh, Zach. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, I think we should, I, I, I think Brennan is probably not going to be playing in this game just from looking at all the signs. Hmm. And, and, and it, it's, it, it, I, I think you have to expect Jay Wolfolk to play in this game. And <clears throat> I'm not <clears throat> saying that I have sources per se, but <laughs> there's just, it seems like everything's pointing at Brennan not playing in this game and that Jay Wolfolk is going to be starting quarterback. So like, I think that it's probably critical that we consider that. I'm listen for all I know, Brennan's you know then going to be starting on. No, nah, you're not backpedaling on this, man. But you got sources. Say, you see how nervous you got him here? Yep, after yep, that, yep. Way, yeah. Trying to think like, I give up a source that I do something here, but yeah. No, I mean, listen. I mean, didn't we see Brennan Armstrong last time? Literally mouthing, "I broke my ribs." Basically, yes. like yeah, it yeah. didn't. It didn't look or sound great here. And yes. quarterbacks and rib injuries don't have a storied history of quick turnaround, so yeah. it's, it's definitely not far-fetched to assume the worst unfortunately here which which sucks like 
Brennan Armstrong is so much freaking fun to watch. Like I yeah. said, he's like trying to hit a knuckleballer. This big <laughs> lefty ginger who's like just mobile enough to get out of trouble, plays the <laughs> offense with all the weird utility guys. Like mm-hmm. it's such a fun group to watch. And when he's at the helm, I mean, it's been the second best passing offense in college football by most statistics. So would be it would be a damn shame because like from yeah. a college football standpoint, this is a primetime matchup on ABC between, you know, what is one of the best offenses in college football and a defense that's gotten better and better as the year went along. And, you know, as an alum, like, do I want them to win? Sure. But as someone who just loves college football, man, you want to see that matchup of all the high flying cards. Well, Zach, let me ask you a question. Uh, You know, regardless of, of any inside info or whatnot, but let's say, let's say Armstrong (laughs) doesn't play. Do you feel from following this coaching staff and, and, you know, all the talking points, are we more likely to see maybe some of those football player gadget guys throw some passes or do you think they, you know, they've had the bye week, so they've had two weeks and, and no Armstrong's probably not going to play. Is they're just going to have uh, the freshman out there running a similar game script? Yeah, I mean, I think you could see more gadget stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I think you could see some of that. And, and we, they've gone away from that a little bit as the offense has just worked. But yeah. I do think this is Wolfolk's show if, if Brennan's not going. Like, I don't think that they're necessarily looking to – you know, I forget which game it was last, last season, maybe wake on the road when, when Brennan got hurt. Um, yes. But it's not going to be that same story where they're running multiple guys. It's going to be Jay Wolfolk dropping back in a pocket. And that's what Bronco said on Monday in his presser, mm-hmm. that the reason that Wolfolk is the backup ahead of guys like Ira and uh, Jacob Rodriguez, just because he is so, he's the most similar to Brennan, I guess. Mm-hmm. He's not Brennan Armstrong, Brandy means it, but he is their sort of successor for him. And, you know, as you said, with that bye week, I, I bet that they're hoping that he's going to be able to at least come out and, you know, it's overused, but manage the game. He has the weapons around him to be able to, you know, to make things happen. And it's probably going to be, you know, a game scheme that is a little bit different. It's not hitting Dontavion Wicks, you know, 35 yards down. You know, it, it's not going to be the same <laughs> throws. Yeah, um, It's going to be a lot of Keaton, Jelani, Billy Kemp over the middle. Um, but I, it's going to be Jay Wolfolk, and it's going to kind of come down to whether or not he can – stand in the pocket and make throws to the weapons that they've gotten. Obviously, if Brennan's not playing, I don't, you know, it's hard to really look at this game and say, oh, you know, Evia has a great shot. But I, I don't think that Wolfolk is incapable of, of, you know, putting together some really nice drives. Yeah, he looked a little shaken up coming in after the injury, but, you know, he probably wasn't I – mean, he's young. <laughs> you know, I don't right. think anybody's right. going to walk into that in a, yeah, I got this kind of mode uh, in that situation. But – um, Mike, when you when you watch Virginia this season, I know there's so much that we can talk about. Like, well, if, is this going to carry over if, if Armstrong doesn't play? But uh, the defense is going to be the same. And the defense has been so all over the place, not without its merits in some games and, and you know, stepped up in big moments in some of these games. But it seems like against, fair enough, the better competition or at least the better offenses – it's been as paper thin as any Virginia defense I've ever watched. So is, uh, is that something we should probably expect? I mean, you know, Notre Dame's coming in probably as the best competition the Hoos are, are going to have faced. So logic would dictate, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I think that's going to be the case where if Virginia is going to win this game, it's going to have to be a game script that looks a lot like the North Carolina game did mm-hmm. when Notre Dame played them a couple of weeks ago, where it just felt like, every possession 
you had to hold serve in that game. And I I think it's going to be more of the same in this one, which makes it even more unfortunate that you're not going to get Brennan Armstrong in there to hold it down on the other side. Because again, the biggest difference for Notre Dame right now, I think is just even amidst moving all the pieces around, they found a lot more identity here. They solidified the left side of that offensive line specifically, because that's where a lot of the youth had crept in here. Gotcha. And so them having a foundation like that up front, because one of the weird byproducts for them in this game were like Virginia on offense is fun to me because you're barely ever going to get the same formation twice. Like they're always, (laughs) they're always giving you something different here. Notre Dame's had to do a lot of that same stuff. Like I, I, Tommy Reese was a teammate of mine who's their offensive (laughs) coordinator now. And it's been a lot of the same where, when you couldn't count on that foundation in front for a while, you mm-hmm. had to formation the hell out of people. You had to go five wide with different personnel groups here. You had to slam it down in some of those big body formations we saw last year. You had to get inventive with who you were putting under center and when and how that changed the offense. And so it, it's going to be more of that in this game, unfortunately, because I don't think Virginia is equipped especially to stop this version of the Notre Dame offense. It yeah. finally has some confidence up front because now you've given those guys more game reps seeing stuff through the same set of eyes and they're finally seeing a clear picture in a way that's going to make this really tough for Virginia yeah I think we both expect that but you know uh miracles happen uh, we see <laughs> listen if, and listen if there is if there is any team that will make a game more interesting than it needs to be I promise you it's Notre Dame. I promise <laughs> Virginia. you everything. Yeah. I, like it, we, we, we are a collective bag of weirdness. In this game. So any, anyone who thinks this is going to be a runaway for one side or the other here has probably not watched I team closely <laughs> enough or been a fan of either team. I love it. It's just everything that about this UVA defense just doesn't feel to match up. Well, I, you know, even if there was that weakness on the left side of the Notre Dame line, it's not like the UVA defensive line has really been able to do much of anything at all this season. Mm. You know, you know, in the run game, you know, even in the in the passing game, even when you know opposing offenses for some reason decide to throw the ball, um, we're not getting home. You know, and so so mm-hmm. there really is nothing on this. De- I mean, okay, you say Noah Taylor right? Nick Jackson, you say, okay, maybe the linebackers can make some plays and, and, and maybe Joey Blunt on the back end, but you know, it, it's really hard to sort of like look at this defense and be like, yeah, this is where, this is who's going to make plays. This is who's going to step up and, and sort of like change um, or at least make enough plays that, that gives this offense, no matter who's running the show on offense, a chance to at least, you know, make a couple mistakes of their own. Cause we've right. seen this season that when the offense punts or throws an interception all of a sudden we're down 21 to nothing because mm-hmm. there's there's not you know there's nothing else that we can do um and, and so i mean maybe a couple of those guys could make some plays but it's really hard to see anything good on that side of the ball for uva it sort of ties in mike to you know we we said the first thing everyone blamed when brenna got hurt was the defense right like which sounds nonsense but it, it makes perfect sense watching that game script because he clearly knew he had to score 70 points to beat BYU. That was the only, and so he's, he's sacrificing his body to get those extra yardage immediately. He said, oh, it's on me. I should have slid. It's like, well, man, man, we know why you're doing it. You know? Right. <laughs> no, well, and, and, and that, that's a great point because I, so I'm getting ready to cover um, Kentucky and Vanderbilt this weekend of the mm-hmm. game I'm calling in college football. 
And it's the same exact thing. I just got finished watching Will Levis and that Kentucky team in that game against Tennessee, where it was mm-hmm. an absolute mm-hmm. firefight the entire game. And you saw a, I thought, much more aggressive Will Levis in that game who was throwing his body into situations, Superman diving from the five-yard line because the game flow dictates that. So yeah. it, it all does change it a lot. I think conversely for Notre Dame, at the beginning of this season, their defense was giving up a ton in the rushing game while they figured out Marcus Freeman's kind of hybrid 3-4 front. Okay. I think a lot of that was because they were on the field way more than they're supposed to be like. That's a playmaker's defense. You saw it at Cincinnati. That defense is designed to get behind the line of scrimmage, to mm. funnel to a secondary that at Cincinnati had better personnel than Notre Dame mm. does right mm. now on the back end, but is designed to make plays, get off the field on third down quickly. Like it's it's not like the bend but don't break or like a, you know, it's not like a Jimmy Leonard Wisconsin defense that's just <laughs> okay, gonna stonewall yeah. you yeah, every yeah. way through because they're bigger and badder than everyone else or anything like that. And so you put them on the field for enough snaps and eventually you're going to be able to find teams up front because these are undersized guys on the D line. I mean, you look at the guys playing nose guard outside of Kurt Heinisch for Notre Dame, Howard cross. I got such a laugh last year. He's the second string nose guard for Notre Dame. One of my favorite players on the team. He is an absolute raging badass. His dad was uh, (laughs) on the giant. His dad played tight end for the giants back in the day, like good bloodlines, all that stuff. He's so (laughs) short. (laughs) <laughs> that they actually listed him on the depth chart at six foot and seven eighths. They went down to eighths to make sure they gave him every square inch of his body that could be afforded to him. But he plays with violent hands and a crazy motor. So I love him. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, if only like they, the they, like, you got those guys on that yeah. side. So eventually, of course, you're going to give up rushing yeah. yards if the offense is three and out every time. If, if Notre Dame had some sort of history of undersized defensive linemen making statements by <laughs> trying harder, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Howard Cross stays on side. I will. Say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, and if we are comparing like off or, or weaknesses to strengths, I mean, obviously Armstrong, massive strengths for the Who's and, and the reason that they've had some success this season, but it's not without merit to, to, uh, well, you know, to give merit to the offensive line it has been really, really strong for Virginia. And Armstrong has that escapability and, uh, you know, Wolf has a, a similar type of player, but it really, hasn't come down to as much as we saw from Bryce Perkins I'll I'll put it like you know Bryce a little more escapability and 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 just that like a burst you know to get away from guy Armstrong doesn't need to have that because the O-line's been really strong but it hasn't translated to a between the tackles running game for running back so you sort of hinted at if there was a weakness um, for the Notre Dame defense it is that maybe like straight up running game. I mean, you you got five stars. We're not going to like outspeed you around the corner or anything. So. Yeah, no, this, this whole defense is predicated on getting one player to kind of be the battering ram to create Mm. a steam in the middle of this thing. And then using that speed to overcome what they can't do. Like they're not going to get up here and two gap guys off the line and Mm. keep bodies off linebackers here. Like Notre Dame's defense, like, the earth is 70% water or whatever. Notre Dame's defense is 70% linebackers. Like (laughs) it's just a million linebackers out here. Like you look up and down, up and down this team here, Drew White, Jack Kaiser, JD Bertrand, Bo Bauer. Like you're going to see all of these guys on the field. Marcus loves on third down to go like, 
you know, like big nickel packages where you'd have multiple safeties when Kyle Hamilton was healthy. We'll see, you know, obviously he's the key to all of this if he's on the field mm. because he's the best athlete on every yep. football field he steps on. But you've got an experienced, versatile linebacker core here. You've got probably outside of Kyle, my favorite player on the Notre Dame defense or the one I was most excited to see this year in Isaiah Foskey, who plays the Viper role for them. So he's that hybrid end who's going to line up at off-ball oh, linebacker okay. some. He's number seven, the DN for Notre Dame here. He has been their most productive pass rusher, but he's that chaos agent. Like him mm -hmm. and those linebackers are there to create chaos in the middle of this line. It'll occasionally give up seams because, again, the whole idea is you're going to create chaos. And that's why, to me, it's a fun matchup with Virginia because we just talked about it. Like Bronco and them want to give you different formations all the time. Yeah. And I think weirdly enough, this is the exact kind of offense that Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman's defense are, are built to go up against. Like Makes sense. it is a bunch of versatile pieces here. Yeah. It is a bunch of guys listed on the depth chart as football player. And we figure <laughs> it out later. It's become the new cliche thing that, I mean, I get why they do it. Obviously you're, you're calling a game. You want the audience to be familiar, but you know, for the people who watch UVA every week, it's like, it's the new Mike London was a cop is that Keaton Thompson is listed as football player on the depth charts. Like, yeah, yeah. That is interesting. The 12th time. You know? <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know what? That's, that is a great point though. Like, that's the biggest thing I fight as coming in on the national broadcast for all these games that I'm doing late in the year yep, is yep. like trying to avoid saying the thing that every fan who watches this game has heard a thousand times about <laughs> this player, like what NIL deal they signed in the off season or what charity they helped out oh, yeah. with here. Yeah, or what, yeah. Like, like I, I have to remind myself to upgrade the software so I don't get those eye rolls. That I, I just promise saw. that that wasn't meant as a critique. I was just <laughs> you know, the, the things that that we get. Be better every... ESPN. Be better. <laughs> um, I do. Uh, you know, want to want to emphasize some of the skill position players for UVA as well too, because I feel and and Zach, you can back me up on on this. It, it's not that there haven't been good receivers and and you know playmakers, quote unquote, but it feels like this is the first offense that has been not just okay with but like attacks if i see one-on-one -on -one, i believe in my wide out and they've been converting you know that's the reason right. they're able to stay in these games but i mean notre dame's talent uh, across that depth chart this is going to be a, potentially a bit of a wake-up call for guys like dontavian wicks um uh, jelani woods i don't know uh, jelani woods probably looks at any defender depth chart and says well they're all smaller than me so it doesn't matter but <laughs> nonetheless that's been a big part of this offense is 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 armstrong obviously great and getting the ball to these guys but these guys are making plays to helping armstrong right. out before the catch after the catch making the catch um uh, so this is a stiff test even if they have armstrong uh for a lot of the skill guys we've been we've been celebrating yeah, I mean, I think that the, the margin for maybe not error, but but the I, the margin you need for success, right, is it, likely going to be much limited. Um, you know, if you say that Brennan's playing, right, like, you know, the throw is going to be have, have to be placed that much better, which is going to have to, you know, get, you know, relatively that much more separation yeah. um, for us to, to, you know, to, to really sort of be able to make those plays that we're so, you know, familiar with this offense being able to make. You know, if Brennan doesn't play, I, you know, we talked about the running game and the fact that we haven't really tried to establish it between the tackles running game with any particular back. If Jay Wolfolk is starting this game, you have to ask yourself, like, at what point do we actually try to start committing to the running game? Because, so, you know, 
part of this season has been just the fact that you don't need to run the ball because it's pointless because, you know, Brennan's gonna, <laughs> the, the success rate that Brennan's going to have throwing the ball to the, these weapons is, is too great to really start running the ball. And then, okay, yeah, in the fourth quarter, you know, when we're up 14 against, uh, you know, a lesser team, then you hand the ball to Darrington and, and Keaton. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, De- Darrington, Devin Darrington, he, he's definitely somebody that you kind of want to see get a couple of chances here just yeah. as a guy that has a little bit of speed, not to like bump Wayne or anything. But um, if you can get him in gaps, right, he's going to be able to um, chunk some yardage together. I'm not saying that this O-line is really going to, you know, have a, a fantastic day against Notre Dame's talent, but it's at least something that you, you might have to rely on in this game if we'll, if we'll focus starting, considering the fact that, you know, this is a superior secondary to what UVA's faced in the past. And if they don't have Brennan to actually make those throws and, and put it in those tiny windows, you know, you're going to have to start looking at other options. It is a, it is a better second. I will say though, of the parts of Notre Dame's defense, they can be had on the outside of corner. Like okay, if, right. if Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Hamilton's the swing state in this game on the secondary front here. Like <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen there. Kyle's, you know, been dealing with an injury, but there's also this thought that like, all right, unless Notre Dame is really somehow comes out of nowhere and becomes a fringe playoff team, Kyle Hamilton has millions of reasons why I would totally understand him saying, man, I've had a bunch of, you know, little small nicks on my lower body in the past. I don't really want to risk that heading into draft season. Like that kid is going to be a probably top five draft pick in a very quarterback low draft this season. So if he decided to sit it out from here on out for that, I would have nothing but kind things to say about what he's given Notre Dame football. He's been exceptional, but it does change how Notre Dame secondary has got to play because when you've got that as an eraser, for the bigger chess pieces in the middle of this Virginia uh-huh. offense when he can cover up for some of the corners who like, listen, when, when I was comparing Notre Dame to Cincinnati, when you saw those two teams play, Cincinnati has the better corners. Okay. Like it, I, I, I don't think that was like, that, it's not revolution. Like a Mike yeah. Gardner who plays for Cincinnati is going to be a day one draft. Pick. That guy's free. Yeah. Notre Dame doesn't have a cover corner like that. It's a position we've traditionally struggled to recruit okay. at that level. And so if you're looking for a place, Notre Dame on the perimeters on the outside of that secondary, you know, Houston Griffith, who's been playing there at, uh, at safety back next to Kyle for a while and has held it down. I think him and DJ Brown do a good job now, but corner is still an area where Notre Dame is continuing to get up to speed. And I think as we go along in Marcus's time here, that's going to be the biggest area of benefit when we get to continuing to up the recruiting is – getting guys at those spots that could really lock it down so he can play as much man as they usually did in his defense. Gotcha. Well, maybe a a sliver of hope then, um, particularly if Armstrong uh, can play, because I mean, that's a big ass. It's a, even a, a, a team that that's their biggest weakness is still a good team. And to beat a team far and outside, you got to make that throw, right? And like, I don't know. That's, that's a huge ass for Wolfolk, but we don't know. Right. Maybe it's a question mark. Maybe he's great at it. And, and I'm underestimating the guy. Uh, I hope that's the case at least, but um, Mike, before we talk a little bit, maybe uh, about the ACC in, in general, um, I would want to ask about, you know, the, the Irish haven't been to Charlottesville since a pretty infamous uh, result in, in 2015, I believe the, the one of the more mean got that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, we sat uh, in, in some, some good seats. My buddy got the um, next to us just, by circumstance, we're Notre Dame fans. They were playing Notre Dame fans there that day. but So we're chatting up these Notre Dame fans. 
You know, the Who's are playing well. The Who's have the lead. They're freaking out, not in a mean way or aggressive way, but they're, you know, they're distraught. And we're just going, dudes, trust us. It's going to be okay. <laughs> the entire, like, I have watched this too many times. And that Hail Mary, I just remember being like, ah, <laughs> we were right. <laughs> like, like, what are we, all you can do is laugh. And they were, they were still mad, you know, how, like relieved, oh, but yeah. like, that, you know, and like sad for us. We're like, no, that was fun. Like what, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, obviously we wanted, you know, an upset would have been fun, but um, one of the more ridiculous endings, of course, and really entertaining sort of games because UVA was not supposed to be in the contest at all. I mean, that was a decent Notre Dame team. I think, um, was it Kaiser was a QB and, and recently the QB, I I feel like he, um, even if that's not true, I'm sure, you know, the, the who's were, were massive underdogs there too. So historically speaking, uh, road games in this, in this cherished rivalry between our two uh, elite academic and athletic institutions. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's some good mojo to be had, but I was looking at Notre Dame's schedule and they really haven't played on the road too much this year. Now Blacksburg is no, is no slouch of a road trip, of course. I mean, have you seen anything different in those couple of road games? Um, You know, they were probably favored to beat the Hokies by a bunch because it's a down year for them, but. Yeah, they were favored a bunch to beat Virginia Tech. They started off on the road down in Tallahassee mm-hmm. in that night game that ended up being, you know, much closer it was than close. people anticipated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's also for a lot of the – especially a lot of the young guys on the roster, that was the first time they were really playing in front of crowds again. So sure. all, all, all of that is an adjustment factor for a lot of the young guys on the team this year. And so I haven't seen a ton different. Like, again, most of it to me, like – I, I'm I'm also the wrong person to ask about that. I think home and road splits are largely overrated. It generally tends to be about who right. you're playing as opposed to anything else with that. But listen, for a young team that was figuring themselves out, that road environment's a tough place to do it unless you've got the kind of leadership that can kind of get you in that. Like, I always like okay. playing on the road more because you kind of got that like Leonidas yeah, yeah. 300 us in the bunker mentality. <laughs> so yeah. I don't think anyone's coming yeah. to Charlottesville and like intimidated, <laughs> you know, love, yeah, well, love Scott I'm, stadium, love our fans, but it's not lane stadium. You know, it's not that. Also ditto. I played in South Bend. I know what it's like to not play in an intimidating <laughs> environment for road teams to necessarily come in yeah. here. You'll, you'll hear a lot of ghosts, but you won't, I, I don't think be all that intimidated. So no, I, I, I think, that part of it is certainly interesting, like the lack of a lot of true road games. I mean, yeah. hell, you know, that Black, Blacksburg, like you mentioned, certainly qualifies. But, you know, that Wisconsin game was in Chicago, where yeah. all respect to Northwestern, who tries every year with those Chicago's Big Ten team, like Notre Dame is Chicago's Big Ten right. team. I'm sorry you tried. <laughs> it's OK. Uh, but, all uh, our yes, Northwestern fans are going to be really mad at you. We're going to get a lot of uh, comments. And the- <laughs> damn you, Mike. <laughs> There's like some double like like alum who likes UVA sports and went to Northwestern undergrad or something like that. And, and that guy they right pro- now is very upset. For us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is a very interesting week for me because now it's on the radio show that I do. Chris Canty, a very proud former who Absolutely. is my coach. So it has been rivalry week on Canty and Golick Jr. And uh, we're still trying to figure out what the wager for this weekend is going to look like. So <laughs> I was going to ask. Yeah. You got to give them some points. If, if Armstrong doesn't play, you got to give them some points. That's, that's only fair. 
I, I listen. I am. I am nothing if not honorable when it comes to the wagers here. So, and I also, I also understand that Chris Canty is a lot bigger than me. So I don't want to small too much. Like, I we did a, we did like a, a promo photo shoot for the show as we were getting going here this fall, and he does his leg from New York. I do my leg from Connecticut and Bristol at headquarters. Gotcha. Okay. And so we're you know we're not together in studio every day. He came down for like the true launch of the show back in September. We took those pictures. They had us stand side by side. I, I didn't like the way that made me feel <laughs> at all. I don't ever want to feel like that again. Like if he had wanted to pick me up and hold me like a little baby, he'd have done it. Yeah, and I no just issues. had to go along with it because he is a big, impossibly large man. And I can realize why people and men that look like him and are of that size get paid many millions of dollars to play football. Cause my God, oh, yeah, man. if he had put hands on me in that room, it was game over. So the, who's got a good one. <laughs> it's a long, a long career professionally for candy, but uh, yeah, I mean, one, one of the all time greats here in Charlottesville for sure. And boy, could we use some pass rush uh, <laughs> just, just in general. <laughs> and, and yeah, but you know, we've taken up so much of your evening, uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about the ACC too, because yeah, yeah, we, we want to win this game. I mean, it'd be massive for the program to to pull off this upset. But the Who's still control their destiny in the Coastal. Pitt has looked really good. Virginia Tech has looked up and down, much like Virginia. But that's that's sort of a, a, a massive spot for Virginia football to be in at this point, especially considering these blowouts that they've been collecting. Um, it speaks a little bit to the up and down nature of the conference, I suppose, and the crazy Coastal chaos. But uh, I guess in two part, where do you see Pitt in terms of the ACC and where, where do you see Virginia and being able to actually challenge them and the Hokies and maybe get this, this run to the division done? Yeah, I, I think Pitt is like the more balanced team overall. Obviously Kenny Pickett's had a, you know, a, a stellar year and really one of the great leap years we've seen in college football, the yeah. guy who was, you know, for the most part, dead dog average player for the rest of his career that just decided he'd be great right as it was time to get ready to collect cash next year. So <laughs> good for him on yeah. that one. I think I saw him first on Mel Kuyper's, uh, Mel Kuyper's quarterback uh, board. So which no one would have lived, Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. No, nobody, nobody would have bought that. But defensively, it's always going to be the disruptive pit outfit that we've usually seen here. The interesting part of me, especially looking at the coastal right now, is certainly Pitt's the lead dog there. If Brennan Armstrong's healthy, Virginia's got enough offensive firepower to compete with everybody. The one I'm starting to get real interesting vibes about is freaking Miami, man. Yeah. Like I had I had Miami against NC State a couple of weeks ago. Something a light went on for that entire program here. The QB's Tyler legit. Van Dyke's Tyler Van Dyke's a stud, and in that game against NC State, he went in and had kind of talked some crap about NC State's defense <laughs> before that game, basically saying, hey, listen, we put 44 on him last year. That was the royal we because he was on the sideline waving a towel in that game while Garrett King played football. <laughs> but give him credit. He went out and backed every bit of that up. That defense has played a lot more like the one you would expect people wearing Miami uniform to play and mm. they rallied behind Manny Diaz who looked like he was ripe to get fired in the middle yeah. of the season. Like that yeah. was a major hot seat and could still be, but if he gets, if he ends up going by the wayside, it is not because that team ever quit on him. And so you got all that talent kind of doing its thing here. Jalen Knighton at running back is a certified mm. home run threat for them. 
Charleston Rambo, the transfer from Oklahoma has been the dude. So like, yep, yep. see, you got, you got, you guys know. So that's, that's the team that I, I think is really interesting going down the stretch here. I'd say we're familiar because he gashed UVA's defense, like straight up the middle. I uh, got Miami back in that game. I mean, Virginia was winning it, um, you know, not comfortably, but seemed to have it in hand at least. Um, thankfully the who's have employed a couple, uh, good field goal defenses <laughs> at the end of a couple of games this year. And that's why we, that's why they have that in front of them. I mean, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk more next week, Zach and I, but regardless of this Notre Dame game, all is not lost. Uh, we, we, you know, the Charlottesville faithful will be out in full force. It's prime time. We'll be behind Wolfhook. We're, we're going to, you know, back up QB magic. It's, it's all, it's storybook. You guys like storybook football up there in South Bend. It's going to be, going to be a, a real treat i think <laughs> you mean like you mean we like tradition that you can market yeah. and sell I, yeah. no, that's not. <laughs> our tradition that we market and sell at uva is is not about being good about f- football it is just self-confidence just just <laughs> believing that you're excellent uh so you know that plays a role in athletics from time to time <laughs> We're real. We're real Spider-Man pointing meme of institutions. Yeah, right yeah. Now. yeah. No, we we got to um, get UNC back in, and we could do a three a three team. Uh, yes. Because Carolina is just the mirror image in every way. But uh, well, Mike, thank you, thank you so much again. We, we we're so appreciative. Um, I know our listeners are, are very happy to uh, hear what you had to say and get more familiar with the Irish and be excited for Saturday's game. So thanks again for uh, coming on uh, the podcast, man. We 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 always enjoy chatting with you. Appreciate you having me, guys. Thank you. All right. That was much fun. Zach, did you have fun? Absolutely. It's the first time talking to Mike. Great <laughs> guy. It's nice to, to sort of hear some uh, some introspection about Notre Dame. Absolutely. For sure. For sure, man. It's nice to get some repeat guests uh, this this season on, on the podcast. We, we, we must be treating them well. So uh, yeah. thanks again to, to Mike Golick Jr. for uh, joining us. Um, of course, you can find him on ESPN, uh, you know, his radio show with Chris Canny that he mentioned. Um, but a lot of the, the ACC network and other uh, college football coverage uh, and on Twitter as well. We'll make sure that um, if you're listening to this and uh, we'll tag them uh, on the, on the Twitter verse. So you can follow them there um, for all y'all uh, listen still, we will be back uh, of course next week to talk about basketball, to talk about the upcoming ACC football remaining games. Um, we do know uh, that UVA lost that basketball game. We are so stoked about we, this has gone really long, so I don't want to focus on it too much, but a lot of growing pains to work through, I think is my you know, few, few word takeaway there. So I'm sure everybody agrees to some level, maybe stronger or less strong, but don't worry. We'll be here to hash it out um, next week for sure. So stay tuned to the blog uh, for Zach and everybody. Uh, I'm Pierce. Uh, go. Hoops. Thank you.